Today's talk is going to be primarily addressed towards husbands and fathers, but yet uh, to us as men uh, about our lives. And the title of the message called Keep It Out of the Ditch. And you say, where did that title come from? It just popped in my head, keeping it out of the ditch. My wife and I, of 31 years, 11 months, two weeks, and five days today, um, it's our anniversary, um, we, we have the opportunity to serve uh, here with the Married Under 40 group. But through that, we often meet with uh, a lot of couples um, to give marriage ministry. And without fail, one of the things we always tell them in a marriage relationship is that uh, it's a journey, that it's never a, a race, it's never a sprint, it's not even a marathon, because all of those things have a start point and an end point, but life is a journey. And as you travel down the journey and the road you're on, you've got to understand that for every mile of road, there are two miles of ditches. We didn't coin that phrase. I wish I did because I hear it a lot, and it's a great phrase. But we often talk about keeping uh, our sides of the street clean. And um, people think, well, if I just stay on the road, then I'm going to be staying out of the ditch. Isn't that good enough? Well, it is, provided you're on the right road. Sometimes we get on our journeys and we start traveling down the wrong road. And as men, we get on our journey of life, being a husband, a father, an employee, or whatever it is that we do. And we get on the wrong road. And if we're not careful, we're on the wrong road. And we think, you know, what happened here? That is ridiculous. So today, I want to talk to you about how to keep it out of the ditch, how to stay on the right road, and four simple, very, very simple points that you can apply to your life to stay out of the ditch. Um, I'm going to start in Psalm chapter 127. And I'm going to read the whole thing. And this is out of the Message Bible. And it says, If God doesn't build a house, the builders only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well nap. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Don't you see that children are God's best gift, the fruit of the womb, his generous legacy? Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are the parents with your quiver, when your quiver is full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off your doorstep. Sometimes, guys, we get so busy doing that we forget who we are. Um, the first point I want to make about keeping your life out of the ditch is not choosing your career and or your livelihood over your children and family. Um, I was in ministry years ago, and it's work. The Bible doesn't say ministry is a cakewalk. For those of you that, you know, think, oh, I just would love to work in the church and be in ministry, and you guys just get to have worship all day and read your Bibles all day and pray all day, and ha, 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 wrong. It's work. And, but I'll never forget, um, I was brand new in the ministry, uh, was a youth pastor, children's pastor. Uh, we had church, lots of church, lots of meetings, lots of youth events, was doing college campus, Bible studies, was in the schools uh, doing things, uh, 
was just going, 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 going. And I thought, man, God, this is awesome. I was in my element. I mean, just going like the Energizer Bunny until one day the secretary called and said, um, you have a phone call. Um, it, it was my daughter. She called the church office at five years old. Says she wanted an appointment with Pastor Eric because she missed her daddy. And he was always on appointments. He was always meeting with families. He was always meeting with kids. And she wanted an appointment with her daddy. Um, guys, we cannot put our career ahead of our family. You might be in here and you say, well, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. Someday you will. You only get one chance to be daddy. You only get one chance to spend time with, with them when they're little and to impact and impart into their lives. But greater than that, you only get one chance to be God to those kids. You see, my kids grew up, like I said, we were, we were doing church a lot. And I thought I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. I thought, well, we're doing all of this for God's kingdom. Certainly, he's going to bless us. I failed miserably, guys. I was so heavenly minded, I was no earthly good to the thing he called me to be. First and foremost, a father and a husband. But the thing that I learned is that when my kids would come and say, Daddy, can we go do this? Sorry, honey, I've got to study for a message. Sorry, we've got to go to this family or that family. Sorry, I've got to go to this meeting. What my kids learned was that when they need to go to Father, Daddy, God, that God's probably going to be too busy for them too. Again, you get one chance to represent God here on earth to your kids. And you say, well, Eric, my kids are all grown and gone. No, does that make you not a father anymore? You're going to be daddy. You're going to be father to those kids to the day you breathe your last breath. We often talk to people about, oh, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is the right thing to do, and it'll go well with you. And I've often asked older men, seasoned men, men of your age, They'll talk about their, their parents, and I'll say, wow, what about this scripture here? And they'll say, well, yeah, but I'm an adult now. They're still your parents, and they will be your parents until the day you die, just as you will be your children's parents until the day you die. Gods, don't blow the opportunity you have. Don't choose your job, your career over your kids. Parenting is a sacrifice. Um, it's an opportunity to pour into those kids. It's an opportunity to really be God's love and Christ's love exemplified while you're here on earth. There may be some of you in here today who 
you know, there's a stupid movie. I know none of you have ever seen it because you're all spiritual. Um, Adam Sandler's in it. It's called Big Daddy. And there's a scene in the movie. Any of you seen it, by the way? Hands are up all over the audience for those of you that are listening by podcast. But there's a scene in the movie where uh, he talks about, the, the, you know, the storyline is Adam Sandler's this total failure in life. And uh, he works at a toll booth. And this kid gets dropped off, and he wants to be the kid's father. And then they go to the courts, and the courts are trying to take this kid away, but he's fallen in love with this kid. But there's a scene in the movie where he talks about his dad and how his dad was a good father, loved him, cared for him, was always going to be there for him. And in the movie, it's funny because it breaks away. It's, it's pretty emotional for an Adam Sandler movie. But everybody's picking up their phone and calling their, their dad. I'm thinking today there might be guys in this room that maybe you need to pick up the phone and call your sons. Just to have a good heart-to-heart. I love you, son. Have a chat with them. Maybe it's a daughter. Maybe it's one of your kids. Um, just love on them a little bit. Encourage them, strengthen them, build them up. Point number one, never put your career ahead of your children. Point number two, how to keep it out of the ditch is be careful with the friends in the company you have, choosing friends who can lead you astray. We all know 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. When I went off to college in high school, I had a, a, an encounter with God, and I mean, I could have attacked hell with a squirt gun. I went to Ferris State, played football, and uh, I mean, I made no bones about it. I'm a born-again Bible-quoting scripture or Bible-toting scripture, quoting, pew-jumping, overcoming, devil-shoving, big believer in God, and if you want to get saved, I'll pray with you right now. It was funny because even then, people would call me the preacher. And I mean, I, I, was, I was going at it. And then I blew my knee up and had to have surgery and uh, couldn't play football anymore and, and uh, kind of got a new circle of friends started hanging out with. And before long, um, I was no different than them. Going to all their parties, drinking, smoking, um, doing all the stuff that <laughs> rowdy college freshmen do. Um, I backslid in a big way. Do I blame those people that, that I was hanging out with? No, it wasn't their fault. I can make up my, my own mind. I can make up my own decisions. But the problem was I wasn't careful in choosing wisely who I was hanging in company with. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you have seen the illustration where somebody stands on a stage and they, you, know, you get a, a tiny little person down here and a big, strong person up here, and they say, you know, pull them down. And the little person always can pull them down because it's so much easier to pull down than it is to lift up. That was me. Um, guys, you've got to be careful who you're letting speak into your life. Guys that are struggling with marriage, you know the worst thing you can do is go to somebody else who's been struggling in their marriage. I can't believe my wife. Do you know what she did to me? I mean, she made me turn sports center off. Yeah. Oh, your wife's done that too? Anyways. But you know what? Pretty soon we start talking, and then they start influencing our decisions. 
And then we go home, and guess what? We take on their offense, and we take it out on our wife. We take it out on our kids. I can't believe my kid. You know what my kid did? And just starts dumping. And you sit right there and listen to it. Ears wide open, heart open to receive. Tell me more. Tell me more. And then you wonder why your marriage is in a mess or you're struggling with your relationship with your kids. And your wife was wondering why you're not coming home for dinner on a regular time or why you're loathing that drive home and you're thinking, oh, I just wish I could get extra overtime in. I don't even want to go home anymore. It's because of bad company. And you might be sitting here and saying, well, again, Eric, I'm not married and I don't have any kids. So what does that mean? <laughs> Someday you will be. This is good advice for you to listen to. If you've got areas in your life that you're struggling with, if you've got areas in your life that, that uh, you know just aren't right, find people who have it together. Find people who are doing well. Start hanging with them. Start letting them rub off on you. And I know what you're thinking. Well, they're going to run from me because I'm going to be the, the poor sap that's pulling them down. No, they won't. They'll encourage you and build you up. But we've got to be very, very careful with our friends. And then I know the other thing you're thinking. But what about the Bible where it says, and Jesus was a friend to sinners. And we're to be the light of the world and let our light shine. And we're supposed to be the living epistles read and known of all men. I get that and I believe that. But here's, here's a couple of questions. What is a true friend? A true friend is an honest friend. A true friend is one that will look you in the face and be <laughs> disgustingly honest with you. A true friend won't compromise the truth. I heard a story recently. It was about 17 minutes ago. <laughs> it was this morning. It was pretty recent about a, a, a people who have a friend. And this friend isn't living right. She claims to know God and love God and all of that stuff, but flat out just not living right. Living with a guy, not married, living in sin. And so what does this young lady say? <laughs> it ain't right. You shouldn't ought to be doing that. Confronts her. She's a true friend. She's that one that says, yeah, I understand. You're single and afraid and lonely. Go ahead, live with that guy. Think back over our own lives and how many times have we let compromise dictate to us and we have regrets for doing that. One little drink's not going to hurt you. One little look's not going to hurt you. We've heard the expression, you know, when it comes to lusting. Well, I may, you know, be on a diet, but it doesn't mean I can't read the menu. Referring to, you know, going to scope out pretty girls. Shame on you. A true friend's not going to let you do that. A true friend's going to take a poker and a hot iron and put your eyes out. No, they won't do that. But they should. <laughs> Just saying. A good question that you want to ask. Here's a question for you to ask. Am I a friend to them or are they a friend to me? You ever heard this little scripture? It says, as iron sharpens iron, so sharpens the countenance of a friend. Are your friends challenging you? Are they sharpening you? Are they cutting away the burrs? 
You know, when it comes to sharpening a knife, it's an interesting thing. I got this knife sharpener, and I'm, I'm pretty particular about my knives. I got a couple of knives in the kitchen. My wife knows she's not, honey, you, you don't use those knives. <laughs> you don't touch those knives. I'm, those knives will cut your fingers off. But yet, I take excellent care of those knives, and when I sharpen them, I mean, it, it's work. I mean, I, I'm very careful, but yet I'm filing away that edge, and, and I do it at such an angle to, you know, make it pristine. And then I've got another device that I use, and slide it through and it takes all the tiny little burrs off. I mean, you look at it under a magnifying glass and it is sharp. The point I'm making is, it's not just a knife. There, there's effort that goes into making that knife productive. So when it comes to our friends, are our friends just a knife that whatever, or does it sharpen us? Does it make us better than what we were before we encountered the meeting with them? Be careful how you're choosing your friends. The third part, and this is for you husbands. Well, let me ask this. How many of you in here are married? Let me see your hands. Okay, Lottie, all right. How many of you want to be married? How come fewer hands went up? I asked the question the first time, about 90% of the hands went up. I asked the second time, about 10%. Okay, um, I've got an appointment opening at 4 o'clock today. We need to talk. The third thing that will keep you out of the ditch or put you in a ditch in a hurry is not listening to your wife. One of the best parts of marriage is having somebody that you love deeply and somebody that loves you back deeply. Somebody you can share your hopes, your visions, your dreams. Somebody that can share your enthusiasm. Somebody that, you know, embodies everything you want and everything you like. This is probably the second most critical concern when it comes to staying out of the ditch. For married men is listening to your wife. Now, that doesn't mean you sit there and, yes, dear, yes, dear. Okay, I'll do this, I'll do that. No, it means to sit down, FaceTime, one-on-one, and listen. Women have such a need to communicate. I'm going to break an old myth here. You know how they say women have to speak 25,000 words in a day and men only 12? Guys, I'm, that's a myth. That's an anecdotal research project that was done, um, but there's no scientific proof that shows that women need to talk more or do talk more than men. None. So you can leave out here today and... Go home to your wife and say, what did you learn at Reload? Well, I understand you don't talk as much as I thought you did. Um, you'll probably be in the ditch. Um, all I'm saying is, you know, it's kind of like, you know. Um, but women do need that communication. They need that time to just to sit down with you and to share their day, to, to talk to them and to listen to them and for you to empathize with them and for you to share and encourage them. Now, am I a pro at it? No. But I have been able to learn that strategically sit in a restaurant in the right place to where the game is on back here. And so I'll sit on this side. And as she's talking, I'm like, oh, honey, that's awesome. Yeah, what? Nothing, never mind. I'm sorry. They scored. Um, no, but you know what? Speaking of that, when we do go to a restaurant, if there happens to be a TV monitor, my wife will pick where I sit. Because she'll go in and she'll say, okay, no, we want this table. And you're sitting there. Yes, dear. 
because I'm easily distracted. If there's a game on, I, I can get clued in, and, and, um, but I'm ignoring her. So I've had to learn to listen and to hear my wife and to be a part of her life, to be a part of her dreams, her hopes. The problem is, not the problem, but you as a man, you need that. Now, there is scientific research to prove that you need to have communication with people of the opposite sex. You need somebody to share your dreams, your visions, your hopes, your desires, and somebody to empathize with you. Somebody to say, oh, you know, you're so awesome. Oh, this is so great. But yet, I couldn't tell you how many times I've had couples come in and uh, been involved in affairs or whatever it is, and, and you ask the man what happened. He said, well, I just kind of mentioned to this girl I was having a little bit of problems. Oh, dude, you're the best man in the world. She ought to feel lucky to have you. You are so good. You are so, man, if I had you, I would this and this and that. It never fails. Because, see, guys, your need to communicate is as great as her need. And if you aren't investing in your spouse, if you're not investing um, intentionally into listening to them and talking with them, you will find somebody. It could be your mother. <gasps> well, that should be okay if I talk to my mom. Sure, and just build a big wall between your wife and her mother-in-law. It could be a coworker. It could be somebody at a store. It, 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 it's endless. If you're not careful, y'all going to end up in a ditch because all you're doing is fulfilling the need that you have, but you're doing it wrong. I'm being a friend to you right now, telling you the truth. Stay out of the ditch. You need to work hard at communicating with your spouse. Be intentional about it. And then the last thing, and perhaps the most important thing, to keep it out of the ditch, is rejecting or neglecting a true relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important in your life than your relationship with God. Nothing. Number one. Without Jesus and your uh, Christ in your life, you, you're, you're going to be in the ditch. But with him, you have the power. You have the ability, something that you can be proud of as a husband, as a father, as a man. We can't even begin to fathom the love that God has for us. We can't even begin to understand his grace and the forgiveness he puts upon us. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we truly make him the Lord of our life, there's nothing we can't do. Greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. They were singing the song earlier, we will not be shaken. Oh, we trust in our God. Um, I remember a time in my life I was shaken. And I didn't trust God. Went through some bumps, went through some valleys, valleys, I fell off the cliff. And I blamed it on God because 
He was supposed to be there and he wasn't. He was supposed to not let certain things happen and they did. Truth be told, my relationship with him wasn't right. And God was there and he saved my life and he taught me forgiveness not only the ability to forgive other people, but the ability to for, forgive myself. We live in a day and an age where our lives are easily shaken. Pastor Tom this morning prayed about the world events. I mean, if you've been watching the news, there's people that are walking nervous right now. The world is a mess, is it not? It could shake our world. Do we walk in fear? No. Do we walk in such a way that we're nervous? No. What if? <laughs> what if? God's not shaken. God's not surprised by any of it. But yet, I can't help but think in my heart today that there's guys in this room that your life is shaken right now. Maybe... It's shaken because, <clears throat> like me, maybe you have put your career, your job uh, ahead of your children, and you're overcome with some guilt, some remorse, maybe even shame. Or maybe, like me, um, you've been hanging with the wrong friends and realizing those aren't the kind of friends you ought to be hanging with. Or like me, <laughs> you and your wife are just... Uh, two people of the opposite sex that live in the same house. Or, again, like me, you've neglected your relationship with Christ. Let me tell you something. There's nothing you have ever done, nothing, that has shaken God's love for you. There's nothing you have ever done that has caused God or Jesus to pause and say, hmm, I wonder if. Fact of the matter is, we're told that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you right now. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. It doesn't matter what failure you, you've experienced. God still loves you. And he wants nothing but the best for you. He wants to keep you out of the ditch. Maybe you're feeling some guilt, some remorse. I don't know, whatever it is. You don't have to take another step in life feeling like I'm a failure. I've blown it. Feeling like, yeah, that ain't, that, that ain't going to work for me. Yes, it will. And if that is you today, you say, okay, now what, what, what do we do about it? It's real simple. Let's take care of it. We're told in the Bible that call upon me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things which you know not. Maybe you're one who said, man, I always wanted that relationship with my kids, but I didn't have a very good relationship with my father. I really don't know how to do it. <laughs> Let me tell you, you want to talk about father failure? <laughs> I'm the poster child for it. But yet God's restored and, and healed and uh, I, love, I have a great relationship with my kids. So today, 
here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we're going to have an opportunity to be friends to one another. We're going to have an opportunity to equip men to change the world. And we're going to have an opportunity to have iron sharpen iron. This is about you right now. Maybe your world's been shaken. And you're sitting here today and you say, you know what, Eric? I am on the wrong road. And I see a ditch in my future. Or maybe I'm in the ditch right now and I want to get out. We want to pray with you. I think the the biggest fear I ever had in my walk with the Lord was admitting I needed help. Was admitting that I needed God. The Bible calls that pride. There's no shame in saying, you know what? Guys, I need your help today. There's no shame in acknowledging that, you know what? Um, I'm headed for a ditch. The only shame the enemy's gonna put on you is when you leave here, he's going to say, yep, see, you're a failure. No, you're not. You're victorious. We want to pray for you. Father, we come to you today, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you are not shaken. We thank you today, Lord, that through your Son, Jesus Christ, the most important relationship we can have, the most important thing we can have to keep us out of a ditch is right here for us today. Father, for these men that have stood and said, hey, my life has shook up a little bit right now. I'm either on the road for a ditch or in the ditch. Father, I thank you that you can pull us out. Your word declares that you pulled us out of the miry clay and set our feet upon solid ground. Father, I pray for these men, whatever their situation is, Father, if it's forgiveness they need, we thank you, Lord, that you're faithfulness and faithful to forgive. Father, if it's considering a a relationship with their wife that's uh, out of sync or out of what your perfect plan is, we just pray for healing to come to that marriage relationship. Father, if they've been involved in other things contrary to your word, Father, we thank you uh, for forgiving them and delivering them. Lord, today I pray for each and every one of these men, whether standing or not standing. Father, that as we walk out this plan of salvation, as we run this race, as Paul talked about, we are running such a good race. Father, that we're cognizant of those that are trying to cut in on us. We're, We're aware of those things that are trying to get us off track and put us in the ditch, to lead us astray, to take us to places that we shouldn't go and and to have friends we shouldn't have. Father, I pray that you reveal to each and every one of these men your good love, your good grace and mercy. Father, that we can continue to equip men to change the world. That, Father, we truly can go out and be above and not beneath, the head and not the tail. Father, that as we walk, that people will know uh, that we are in relationship with you. I pray for every father here this morning. Lord, those that may be struggling in their relationship with their children. Father, give them the boldness and the courage to bring healing to that relationship. Father, restore back unto them uh, that which the enemy has stolen. We pray in Jesus' name.